Welcome to Breaking Down Bits, a conversation about great comedy bits with the comedians who wrote and performed them. Welcome to Breaking Down Bits. I'm Brian Gendron. I'm Drew Jordan, and it feels like it's been an eternity since we've done an episode of Breaking Down Bits, and um, at least we're coming back on a on a big note a very very uh fun and interesting uh guest today that we're gonna have a lot of fun conversation about and uh, i'm just excited to get into threeson three i can't even speak season three here we are we're doing the best we can guys here we are kicking off threeson uh good opportunity <laughs> drew to talk about our last episode which was a clip episode so if you're a comic who's short on time, which most of the case you get all the time in the world, but if you don't <laughs> want to listen to, you know, 10 hours plus of our comedy interviews from season two, Drew and I recap some of the best moments from the season. So check it out. Yeah, that's a really fun one. Just to kind of, if you want to just browse and maybe figure out which episodes are the most interesting to you, you can find it. Of course, breakingdownbits.com is uh, the most beautiful website that Brian Ginger has ever built. <laughs> And it actually is helpful. Here's the crazy thing. Most of some people say, go to my website, and it really sucks. This one's actually really helpful. You get links to everything. Uh, you can see all the episodes. Um, so, yeah, thanks for checking it out. Thanks for for being part of uh, the crew here and Breaking Down Bits. Yeah, BreakingDownBits.com. Also on BreakingDownBits.com, not only can you find all of our podcasts, and by the way, they're available in iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all the places, YouTube for the video version. Uh, but also, you can go where you can sign up for our online open mic, which has just been an incredible experience. I think you'd agree, Drew. Yeah, it's so good. People from all sorts of uh, different levels of comedy, people who've performed for almost decades, you know, and then brand new people. So no matter where you're at, if you want to get in, get a little extra work, get some great feedback from some amazing comics. I found that's that's the coolest thing is to just shoot new bits out. There's no audience to boo you. <laughs> There's just other comedians to help you. It's a very positive, uh, interactive experience. Uh, you got to hop in there. Yeah, very positive, very constructive. I mean, the last one we had, just so much great advice, and it just helped me, helped me write, and I know it helped others. So check that out. It's on, Those are usually on most Tuesday nights. We've been pretty good about doing it every Tuesday. If you want to get in, breaking down bits at gmail.com, and, and we'll try to get you in. Uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about, Drew, it's a callback to our show in Austin. I think that, uh, one, I had an incredible time, uh, and two, it came through the show, somebody that we met uh, through the show, one of our listeners, and we were able to go out, film one of your new to Drew's, go out and do a comedy show and work with some Austin comics. And then one of my favorite parts, Drew, uh, is that you put together a video which was absolutely incredible and is something that they can use to market their show. Yeah, we had a blast over there. If you check it out. Um, you can find the video. I think you shared it on the Breaking Down Bits uh, Instagram. It's on my YouTube, which I've now finally crossed 100 <laughs> followers. Wow. So it's actually youtube.com slash C slash Drew is Talkward. Excellent. Uh, but we will. We're excited to come to other cities and other markets. I know next month we're taking a trip March 12th to Lafayette, to the worst beer garden. We're going to be working with Ian Lara, who's a past guest on the show at the worst beer garden so if you're in that area check us out get some tickets and if you want us to come to a city near you just talk to us man we'd love to take some road trips or some trips to visit comics from anywhere in the country or the world we're, we're international man we had a Thai, taiwanese guy on the on the mic on we tuesday did. We did. Uh, so fun. Are, are you ready to bring in our guest 
Yeah, let's do it. Originally from East Nashville, Tennessee, Jessica Watkins is a New York City-based stand-up comedian, actress, and producer. She starred and co-produced the feature film Bad Batch, wrote and hosted the web series Let's Take a Walk with Jessica Watkins, and Tiki. She's been featured at Bonnaroo Music Festival, Accidental Comedy Festival, and Chicago's Women's Funny Festival. Some know Jessica for her 2014 Walk Across America. For over eight months, Jessica pushed a running stroller performing stand-up in dozens of cities along the way and filmed the whole adventure. Part comedy special, part documentary, the feature film Special-ish premiered at the 2019 Broad Humor Film Festival, winning Best Feature Film and is slated to be released through Random Media in April of 2021. Hey, Jessica, how are you? Hi. Uh, I'm just remembering we got to um, work on our bios, right? <laughs> <laughs> if everyone says that, uh, we pull it and then they're like, oh, I haven't updated that in a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have, but it's always that struggle, right? You're like, do I write it like I'm writing it? Am I writing it like someone else is writing it? It's kind of fun. Uh, we in our in our open mic. I don't know if you heard us when we were talking up top, but we we did that. We we workshop bios, so we have the comics that come in and do their, our feedback mic, send us their bios, and that's part of what we work on. Oh, sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so where in the world are, are we are we talking to you from? Uh, I'm in New York City. Sounds terrifying. Yeah. So yeah, that's <laughs> actually. So I was in New York for the whole pandemic and I've left a few times, but now it kind of feels like a safe space because I went down south and it's the wild west down there and people don't give a fuck. <laughs> They're just like, every restaurant was packed. It's like 70 <laughs> degrees. They didn't even have a like crack a window. I'm like, you, you guys don't want this like a little bit of ventilation, like smoking cigarettes. It was insane. Once you've walked across the entire America, um, does New York just feel like walking down the streets really no big deal there? Now you've seen it all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll definitely say walking in the middle of nowhere, not in the middle of nowhere, walking in unknown places like in the middle of America is way more terrifying. Yeah, than, than New York City, because there's people around, you know? Yeah, the homeless people will, t will scream at you and that's it's comforting. Well, in when I was on the walk, that was me. So <laughs> that's right. Which I which I really didn't honestly did not think about until I was like on yeah. the walk, and then people were like scared of me at a gas station, and I was like, oh, that's right, I am homeless, and I look crazy because I'm pushing a cart, and there's not a baby in it, and I was like, how dare you, as a white woman, I have never been treated this way. Um, no, it was it was like, oh yeah, people judge you based on how. How you look i forgot it seemed like you know i watched i thank you for sending a screener i was able to watch a documentary it seemed like you kind of over time got over that fact that you're you're sort of this homeless crazy woman part pushing your car you're like who cares and which is great yeah absolutely because no one cares actually i mean you know you run into some people but like no one cares and that was definitely like one of the things that i learned you know during making the project and that's why the name of the film is special ish because it's like uh, i mean it's kind of special but it's really not like who cares um and then it's Part comedy specials so that was where the name came from but yeah definitely um just like living in new york city you get you know yeah you get used to it and then um it, yeah it just started to feel really nice to be on the road actually um 
Yeah, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful special. It's like I I laughed, I literally cried. It was like <laughs> it was awesome. it was uh, yes. it's such it's such a great it is a it deserves to win of awards and it it is <laughs> thanks. Um, it's it deeply resonated, I think, um, for me because um I don't know. There's that. There's that sense. Sometimes when you grow up in in America, we have so many conveniences and and there's so many things. And then to go like, am I really living? Am I really experiencing life? What's going on? And then we'll get into some of the comedy things that I I really enjoyed and want to ask questions about later. But as a whole, uh, just can't wait to to see when this is released and support it. And uh, excited to see. Thanks. It. We'll experience it as well. Cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I had been living in New York for like five years when I started, um, planning the walk and I met this guy like 15 years ago in LA who's like that. He was just this really cool guy. And then someone was like, yeah, he walked across America. And it was like, my mind exploded. His name's Aaron Huey. Actually, he's like this fa kind of famous photographer now, but he, he did it when there was like no cell phones and he did it in like two months or something. And he like, he, he had a dog with him. It was a whole, he carried a gun. It was a little different than mine. <laughs> um, I was just like, please keep this sage, keep the people away. Um, <laughs> Safety but, sage, you're always ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, you know, living in New York, trying to be a stand-up comedian, definitely a grind. Um, and, I just started reading it. I read, I read this book called the man who quit money. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's a pretty good one. And it was very inspirational. Like it just made you, it was basically how, um, I mean, it was very like a white person book. Cause it's like, if you just give in, like things will be provided for you. <laughs> um, so, okay. We can't all live that way, but there's like some truth in that. And the idea definitely started to grow. And I just started to like talk to people about it and realize that people live like this, you know, people live off the grid and there's this whole subculture of people hiking and biking and doing all kinds of adventures. And, and you, when you're in it, it gets all consuming. And then you just kind of remember that life is this series of different adventures and we get so caught up and sometimes we miss, I don't know that things will end and they're, I don't know. It's just, the, it helps me. Yeah. It helps me with the kind of grander, philosophies of life but then of course i got back to new york and i was you know you revert back to where you were before <laughs> and then you start planning like another crazy thing you know which i don't know what that is yet i was like oh more crazy things this is good <laughs> swimming across the the english channel all right <laughs> so i think it could be something with swimming I just started training for a triathlon and <clears throat> swimming is the oh, hardest cool. part. Yeah. I ran a marathon, which made me think about your whole point. Uh, nobody gave a shit. I was running and it was virtual, <laughs> you know, cause the actual event and um, I had the whole, I put the whole thing on the, the, the bib and all that. And I'm like, surely people will cheer me on past hundreds of people. Nobody gave a shit. <laughs> so I, I'm with you on that, but yeah, I'm training for the, the triathlon now. I just got in the pool and mm -mm, it's tough. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. I'm gonna do a hot. I'm gonna hot tub across America. And yeah, there you go. Oh, that's like a pretty good one. I think I know, it, maybe that maybe that's my adventure. 
Um, I definitely like while I was walking was visualizing things and I would just kept visualizing it like being in a pool with a cold beer. And like, I, I was just like, I can't wait to just be chilling in a pool with a cold beer. And now like every time that that happens, I'm like, I envision this moment. It's like, okay, Jessica, everybody, it's, it actually happens pretty often in normal people's lives. It's not the most crazy thing to imagine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, you manifested this. (laughs) (laughs) It's another beer. Oh my God. There's six, five, of, six them. of them. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you have big dreams. That's what's important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, so, so Patrick. <laughs> I was just going to get you, you. We talked briefly uh, just before Now you're, you're from Nashville, but ha- tell us about your beginnings in comedy, where you started and, uh, and kind of where you, because obviously you, I mean, L.A., New York, something some some good things must have happened for you to be kind of uh, thriving in those areas. So tell us the how you got into comedy and what was your start like? Um, well, yeah, I grew up in Nashville and I moved to uh, L.A. when I was 18 to go to acting school. So I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts um, to be a thespian, which is actually how I met the executive producer of the documentary. So acting school, I don't know what that really did for me, but it did make some cool connections um and and lifelong friends um anyway so i moved out to la when i was 18 and i start i realized that i definitely wasn't like the leading lady type and i was more of a character actor and i started doing sketch and improv once i got out of school and and then you have to like depend on other people and you know how that vibe is you're like competing and when it comes to like competing for attention, I actually like kind of fall back, I feel like. So I just like don't thrive in that environment, which is, I mean, it is what all that stand up is, but, <laughs> but you're doing it by yourself on stage. So after I did stand up, I took like a, a stand up writing, you know, workshop in LA or something. And then um, perform, we had like a thing at the improv, you know, when you finish your class. And it was just the funnest thing ever. And I was just so high from it. And like, I, I felt like my set went really well and it, um, and it was just like, Oh, this is so much attention. Just what I want. Um, impossible to be upstaged when you're the only one on the stage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it all clicked. I had to keep narrowing it down. Um, so then I decided to move to New York because that seems like where you should start doing stand up comedy, which is, it's a really intense place to, to move and just try and break into comedy. Um, I still don't know, you know, like we were talking about Nashville earlier, Nashville, um, I would go back and the shows would be so much funner in Nashville than they would be in New York because that's just how New York comedy is there's so many shows and a lot of them are lightly attended and in nashville there's two and there's a lot of people there you know um so there's still a part of me that's like i don't know if that was the right decision to move to new york but i've been here for over a decade and um met so many cool other comedians out of it and when i first moved here i got this like a randomly the night before i was leaving this friend of ours was like where are you staying and i was like this place in brooklyn and he's like, I'm going to be out of my apartment for the next three months. You should just stay there and pay me whatever you can afford. And it was in Soho. So like the really like bougie area, even though I was terrified, I was like, this place is terrifying. And now it's like, I could never afford to live there. Um, but it was right. I just like Googled comedy club and it was right up the block from the comedy cellar, which I knew nothing about. And at the time, if you gave them your email address, they would give you a free ticket. 
So I would just change my email. I like <laughs> make a new email every day and I would go and to the comedy seller. Sarah and Watkins one, Sarah Watkins two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and Jim Norton was definitely like, I kept seeing him appear there over and over again. He's like one of the main memories, but I would just go and sit and watch at the comedy cellar and having no idea that that's like the best place to go see comedy, you know? Um, but yeah, I feel like, I, like I was saying earlier, I'm kind of like the person to stand back a little bit and like see how things work. And like, um, I feel like that's been my, being like doing comedy in New York is such an intense experience. And like, if you're not getting up 15 times every night and you, if you don't have any friends and you need to not have a relationship and like, you need to be pissed that you don't have kids yet. Like there's like layers, you know, you definitely have to have a drinking problem. Um, there's lots of you need several roommates, you know, like if you have any form of comfort, people are like, you're not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> and I really struggled with that. So um, this walk was like an idea where I could leave the city and go do something adventurous and cool, but still feel like I was pursuing the thing that I wanted to be doing and making some, you know, form of art around it, which also starting to do stand up in New York, people are like, this isn't art. Like we're not artists. And people are like very against using that word. And it's taken me years to realize like, that's what I am. I'm an artist. Like I'm not just a stand up comedian. I'm not just an actor. I'm not just a filmmaker. I don't know what my next projects will be like, but I made this one and this is like my, my art for that. So, so, um, so we've talked to a lot of the, you know, the, the comics on the show, passed at the cellar, been doing it the traditional way for a long time and, and are great comics. So, so nothing to take away from them, but almost no. all of them, almost all of them had a period of vulnerability where they were like, look, we, we kind of missed the, the idea that we need to be creating something else. We need to have some digital content, some video content out there. So what's, I, I love it, uh, one, that you that you took this into your own hands and, and decided to do a project like this to help you stand out and, and advance in a different way, because it is the new model. Uh, and two, I hope that people listening to the show find inspiration in that. And Drew and I talk about that quite a bit, because he does a, pro, uh, a short special called New to Drew, where he just goes out and has experiences. And, and that's where comedy can be found in those experiences. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm, I'm just hoping one of the, I'm so excited to have you on the show just to kind of to try to garner some of that inspiration amongst some of our listeners. Cause it, uh, it really is forget the traditional route. Cause especially now things are changing more than ever and, uh, and go out and do these types of projects. And to keep, um, you know, time, what is time, right? Okay. <laughs> it's all an illusion. Uh, just, that I think it's all about longevity and just not get, like why I always say, I'm like, don't give up or do I'm like, okay, give up. Who cares? Like no one cares. Um, <laughs> what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that um, persistence, like just keep doing it. It's taken me so long to complete this film and finally get it out in April. And there were so many lulls where I would just did not see where it was going. Even just like a month ago, getting all the final, signatures and money together to, to, to distribute was felt so intensely stressful. I didn't see how I was going to get to this excited point I am now. So I think it's also about just like pushing through 
making yourself uncomfortable and, and finishing something that you started, even if it takes seven years to do. <laughs> yeah. That's something, which is how long it's up. been from the inception or whatever. Right. Well, yeah. Like you actually did the walk in 2014, correct? Yeah. That's when it happened. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I do these short YouTube videos and like, you know, maybe a final video is like 12 or 13 minutes. Um, and we shoot, you know, for two or three hours for that. And just the process of just doing something as short form as that can be pretty exhausting and stressful. And you're like, keep this in, keep, I can't imagine trying to do a full feature film with so many, like just the sheer number of decisions you had to make makes my stomach hurt. Yeah, it's really overwhelming. It could go on forever and you have to stop it sometime. And that's a part of it too. Like nothing's ever going to be perfect. You know, I, till the very end, you know, was starting to obsess over little parts of the film. And I was like, I just have to let it go. It's done. Like it's done now. Um, Cause it yeah. could go on forever. Um, oh, so sure. I think it's also about like making decisions and sticking with them. And did you do, um, did you do a lot of the editing yourself or is that a, do you have some friends that helped you do the edits? So the, it was a pretty like year long, like working 40 hours a week with an editor process. Um, so it was a full-time thing, and it, which I had, when I first got back, we watched all the footage. This was with my first editor. Um, and there's 300 hours of footage. So that was, it takes just a month to watch that. And not only is it 300 hours of footage, but it's also like you on the side of a road, like sitting with a camera for like, just staring off, for, like forgetting that the camera's on where I'm like, can you say something? Can you do something? Can you tell us a story? You know, like show us around where you're at. <laughs> but I'm just like staring. You're trying to direct it, yourself. You know? in the past <laughs> like i really looking back at the footage and the, i'm like oh but this was what i was going through in the moment i wasn't manifesting like a you know confessional style housewives i uh, love the housewives um <laughs> they make an appearance in the film um i did watch housewives inside my tent on the oh, side yeah, of the right. road sometimes yeah. um <laughs> you know the little things um <laughs> I don't, I forget what I was saying. Oh yeah. Well, just that I wasn't doing like confessional style, you know, like today I saw a tractor or whatever. Um, <laughs> I was really, I was really trying to just be like real with the camera. And after walking 20 miles, it's really your only option actually. Like, I don't think you have energy to think about what you look like or i mean there was some even yeah just looking at my style i was like could you couldn't have tried to look cool like is that not something you could have done <laughs> at the beginning i <laughs> like this huge like that was real like yellow hat yellow that yellow you like, didn't have you didn't have hair and makeup following you with their walking carts right yeah which no, makes, a, lot of, a lot of hair clips that makes it real uh but you know you said two things that i thought were really important for comics is uh the stick to itness is that a thing anyway so so if you, yeah. if you do something like that and you commit to something follow through with it and you, man did you follow through because that is a huge undertaking 300 hours of a lot of nothingness that's <laughs> wow uh so getting getting over that hump must have been very challenging uh but uh also you mentioned funding art do you how, how do you mind if I ask how you how you funded it? Is it self-funded? Did you do any crowdfunding? How did you fund the, the project? 
So crowdfunding was actually a big inspiration for the projects. So it was like, I wanted to go on adventure. I wanted to quit my job waiting tables. I wanted to be able to do stand-up comedy and I wanted someone else to pay me to do that. And so I figured if I came up with like a cool enough idea, crowdfunding had just started. I was seeing people raising five, 10, $20,000. And then there were the occasional, you know, we all know we were there for it, right? Like you were buying like backpacks that you could put wine in or something. And people were like, Whoa, this is crazy. Kickstarter. <laughs> um, so the first Kickstarter, I raised 15,000 bucks, which it's not easy. And that's why it's kind of declined since then. I mean, I think everyone can do it, but you, you kind of have like your one window, um, which I learned when I did it a second time when I got back, which was even more difficult because, well, I mean, you just don't anticipate, obviously making a film is a really expensive endeavor. Um, but when I started after I'd actually completed the project, had all the footage, was ready to, um, you know, it took me like a year after that to, actually it was like a depression that I went through, which I talked a little bit about in the film, but people kept warning me about the end. And then, you know, something ends and you're just, you've like, yeah, you get so lost. And so anyways, that was also a lesson I feel like for like metaphor for life and comedy and all these things. Um, so then once I kind of got the ideas together for what I wanted and I was ready to film this, the special that, it, you know, narrates through the film, I got backed by a production company, my friend Jesse Lida at Glasshouse Productions, and they became the executive producers of the film. They more than matched the money that I raised through crowdfunding. So I was extremely lucky with that. And I found uh, editor Christine Simon, um, through comedy friends that I know from Staten Island. And she and I started working together 40 hours a week. And we did that for like seven months. And then I did uh, my, this guy, Jason Welling is an awesome story writer. And he came in at the end and kind of like brought it home because after staring at it for seven months, well, f and for me, five years now, it's so you just you lose because you have context for everything. So you just get so lost in it. You're like, does this even make sense? Like, do people even know what this is? Like what? You, you have no idea. So it helps. He was like amazing coming in at the end. And yeah, I'm really happy with how it turned out. Yeah, it's an incredible project and super inspiring. I think I think a lot of people will draw inspiration from this um, comedians and otherwise. Right. Like you're going to. This is going to be a very cool thing to, to, to get to share. And just my brief experience with it was like, wow, this is like all these ideas are popping in my head. And um, cool. yeah, it is a new it's a new era for like um, stand up comics slash content creator type people. Like I think we, we have opportunities to do that kind of stuff now that just did not exist in the past. And so yeah. you don't have to just be, you know, a stand up you can do you know, like turns out whatever you want and you can find your path. And so like for me personally, like I found that, you know, I do love stand up, but I also love, you know, making videos and, and, and all this other stuff on the side. And it's like, no, you don't have to be one or the other. You can really, you can, you can really kind of be diverse and uh, you know, try, try, try weird. And stuff I think and you have to pay attention to that, you know, because if you really are, you know, like a, an art, an artist and like a creator, I think 
yeah, you have to like lock into that part of yourself. That's like telling you and pulling you in, in different directions and know that like, you can always come back. Like for instance, with this last year of pandemic, um, I've been working on the film and just getting it ready. And I've, and this is the first time in the last decade that I haven't been up doing standup and that I also haven't felt guilty about it when I'm not, you know, because yeah. there's that constant, like, you're not doing enough, you're not out, you're not. And this is the first time I've ever not had that. And it feels great. And I'm just allowing myself to not have that feeling. And it's so much more healthy in a creative way and making me like so much more excited about if the world ever opens in 3000 years from now and we get to do stand up on a stage again. Um, it's making me excited for that. I'm gonna pop it back up, but our friend Joel Byers over at hot breath, former guest of the show said he's been following your journey since it started. So uh, yeah, we're excited that Joel's on here and, and uh, friend, friend of the show and a fan of, fan of yours. Uh, A few things that I really liked that you said uh, was that you you use your network and and, and not spoken about maybe enough in comedy or or maybe not spoken about uh, in the the ways that really that comics can use it to advance their career. But you had somebody you met in film school, you had comics that you met that could edit, and then eventually you met the storyteller. And so leveraging your network to complete these projects is so critical. Uh, find out who within your network, like like Drew. I mean, I God, man, I put pulling this together and doing all these projects with Drew is is really just complimented me well because he's such a creative when it comes to video content. So find those people in your comedic network to help you accomplish these types of things, and it's, that's very inspiring. Absolutely. And yeah. even like for me, like literally on the walk, you know, so many people I stayed with was through Facebook because Instagram wasn't even really a thing then. And it, I would had thousands of comedian friends and I would just look and, you know, not really friends, just we have other mutual friends and I would just hit them up and be like, Hey, can I stay with your aunt that lives in Kentucky or whatever? It's true. I mean, and that's the thing like doing this show and doing the open mics and, 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 you know, we interact with comics from all over the world. And so now we have friends or acquaintances or however you want to look at it around the world. And so however you're able to grow that network, and, and in your case, walking across the country, uh, just just helps you grow as a comic. Uh, and so all these things are such positives. And so, like I said, inspirational for, for other comics to pursue these types of projects. Yeah, we probably all have a friend with a dirty air mattress somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. I'm going to, do you guys want to kick off? We're going to watch a short segment of the documentary and the walkumentary. And, uh, and it includes both stand up and some of the footage to really get you an, an idea of sort of the sensibility of, of, of the, the film. And, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to set it up. It, it kind of sets itself up. So I'm just going to go ahead and get it started. I'm going through the South, this area uh, where, although I grew up there, there are people that see the world differently than I do. What were these people gonna think of my comedy? The thing about the South is we care about the human life down here, so it's different. We're pro-life, so we care about the human life. Uh, We're against abortion, but we're for the death penalty. That's a thing. Against abortion, but for killing someone who might have killed someone else. I mean, by that theory, you should really be for my abortion because that kid would have totally killed my social life. Am I right? <laughs> Ladies, 
Let's go out. Just kidding. I've never had an abortion. It's just a joke. Never had one, but I would have one a little baby's heartbeat. Just not ready to have a kid right now. Too dark. Okay, so anyways. Walking. It's the Bible belts. Very religious. Here I am telling some pretty questionable jokes. Now I've heard pretty solid Jesus face when I was 16, which I think we can agree is the worst of all the phases. <laughs> but it sticks with you and you see it, it sticks with you. Even in this last election, I would like, I, I asked myself, who would Jesus vote for? <laughs> and the answer is no one, he can't, he's not an American. It's a common misconception in the South. <laughs> Jesus is not an American. No. The South is weird, though. Because I feel like people in the South would get more behind abortion if instead of saying aborting a fetus, we said deporting a fetus. <laughs> They're really behind deportions. Like, no, it's not an abortion, it's a deportion. You see this baby enter my body illegally. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and deport it up to heaven, okay? I just had to throw away that fear and caring what these people are going to think about me. And I was going to have to respond truthfully, no matter what it was, no matter what the subject. How you doing, Jessica? Hello. Happy to be here. How the feet? Uh, you doing all right? The feet are holding up. The feet are holding up. Jessica is walking across the country doing stand-up comedy. Yeah, about that. I, I have a very crucial question that needs to be asked. Yes. Uh, during, sure. during your walk across the country how many times have you been raped and murdered this is live on air it was one of those moments where you you had the chance to react and i kind of said the thing that i wanted to say and that felt different for me uh, no, I've been rape free now for almost 10 years. So but is it not scary? <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> it, uh, it's like anything else, you know? I mean, it can be scary. Like, there are crazy people out there. Sometimes they do have guns. Most of the time, those are police officers. <laughs> the way they talked about rape was as if it was something that hadn't crossed my mind. And the truth was, it was something that crossed my mind every day. It crossed my mind since it happened to me when I was 15. And I've spent all the time since then trying to not think about it, not remember it. And the way to get beyond it is not to shut down or run away. It's to face things head on and to try and trust again. And Tennessee was a great state to go through. I get a message, someone's like, hey, we got a place you can stay and a plane you can jump out of. I'm like, yeah. That sounds cool. So this guy, he's gonna take me to the skydiving place. 
And he's like, hey, before we go, let's go visit my brother real quick. And we're kind of meandering up this mountain, and I totally lose cell service. And I realize at that point that I have no idea who I'm with, where I'm at. Like, this is probably the beginning of my Lifetime movie. <laughs> you know, it's going to start with a death scene on the top of the mountain. And they'll be like, why did you do that? Oh, he's attention. Got it. Um, <laughs> and we get to the top of this mountain, and there is just a big abandoned barn on the top of this mountain. And his brother is sitting in a lawn chair staring off into the woods. Which is always a good sign. Like <laughs> he was looking at nothing, but he was seeing something. You know what I mean? Something was there. His brother was like, "You going to the bar yet?" I was like, "Have not. Have not done that. I'm excited to do it. Let's do it." Stand there. So I get in the barn. They're distilling moonshine. I'm like, "All right, this is cool. I will take some moonshine, please. This will make my death easier." Um, <laughs> so I'm just giving moonshine. They take me back into a further room where there's a large round bed. <laughs> the kind of round bed that you don't want to see when you're in a barn alone with other men. <laughs> the third guy enters, and he comes over, and he's really excited to meet me. He, brings, he like shoves his book in my hands, and he wants me to look at all these dragons that he's been drawing <laughs> for what appears to be decades. <laughs> Tell your family. decided to go with things and say yes and not get in my head about it and wonder what was going to happen. It felt like this balance between being in control and totally out of control. In each of those moments where I gave in to the unknown or threw the plan out the window, when something really cool would happen, that feeling was, it was almost like when I do stand-up. So I'm out there on the road, got this new sense of freedom. I'm giving in to the unknown. And then I got a visitor. It's coped up, drunk on moonshine, and skydiving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, that's so good. I I was really concerned with the fact that every time I've ever seen anyone skydive, they always have that cool little suit on. You did not. You were just wearing your street clothes, and so was everyone else. <laughs> yeah, that place was a little sketch. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
skydiving came to the recording that I did in Nashville of, uh, you know, tell, telling these jokes and I didn't know he was there. And I've been telling that story for a while now. So I kind of forgot, you know, that, that I've like turned it into this kind of dramatic telling, you know, and after the show, he was like, Jessica, and I, he was like, I, he was, he was like, I forgot about whoever drew the dragons, and I was like, there, yes, okay, I'm glad you remembered the dragon guy. Like that wasn't just in my imagination. He was like, that was so embarrassing, and I was like, no one knows it was you. And then he pointed, and he was there with a date, so he was, pro he was like, that's me, the skydiving guy. And then he, I tell this story of how I was terrified <laughs> and how he sold cocaine. Um, <laughs> Oh my goodness. Whoops. So funny. I think the, the best part is when you're telling the story and you just don't know, Liza, as a viewer, you're not sure, you know, if you're used to watching comedy and stand up, you don't know what's real and what's kind of exaggerated. And then like all of a sudden there's the plane and you're like, Oh God, <laughs> this is really happening. This is not just a story. We're about to watch this girl jump out of a plane in her street clothes. <laughs> oh yeah. That God. was, um, that was fun. So there's a lot to cover in here. Uh, you know, normally on the show, we break down the comedy. So we'll talk a little bit about the comedy. The, the first sort of uh, section of this clip, you're in Memphis, you're in, uh, somewhere in Tennessee, right? Not Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. Oh, it is Memphis. And, well, in that uh, clip, I don't know how we are doing it in the film. I forget, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually in Memphis there. Sure. And and in the, in this this community, uh, and, and you're, uh, you put a footage of a Baptist church and just to get a sentiment of, of who you're talking to. And you get into some abortion jokes, which are which are written. Uh, very, very, I love I love the tag. Like, let's go out. That's, that's one of my favorite <laughs> little like tag. And then the baby's heartbeat. So uh, all risky. Uh, do you do you, do you, <laughs> you know, do that you, little baby's heartbeat joke. I wrote so long ago and there used to be the, um, the pit, there's this improv group or improv place called the pit. And once a week they had this, um, open mic that used to be, um, ran by Mike Lawrence. And he was like, this is before he was nice to people. And so he was like the biggest, like hard ass. And he ran this mic and depending on how many people came, you got like 30 seconds and it'd be like, 40, 50 comedians. And I remember telling that joke. I've never had an abortion, but I would have one in a little baby's heartbeat. And it like killed and I won joke of the night. And I remember him being like, that was a really funny joke. And me being like, yes, nailed it. Killing it. Cut to 10 years later, here we are. Um, still finally getting that joke in the world. But no, I was afraid people were going to kick me out of their homes at night um, once they realized that I wasn't just like walking for America, you know, but it never happened. I think I performed at the pit. I'm trying to find a picture here. Make sure it was the pit. There's anyway. a new one now. It's changed locations, I think, or I don't know if anything's, I don't know what's real anymore. <laughs> what is real? Uh, one thing that we, that we got to see because we got, uh, a sneak preview of the show. We always talk about writing and we always ask like, how do you write comedy? And it seems like maybe, and this is something I'm struggling with in my own personal writing journey. It seems like you kind of cross a line. You get this opportunity to do a long set in New Mexico and you are working through 
I guess changing from being like a setup punch comic and really working out just I'm just going to start talking. I'm going to start telling stories. I'm just going to see what happens. Tell me yeah. about that. Like what that did that work for you? Is that where you're at now? Like tell me about switching and, and getting into that kind of thing because I'm I'm a guy who's always written kind of just stand up, I mean just set up punchline kind of stuff and I feel like I want to yeah. be more honest and more real and share more. What's how what was that like for you to make that transition? Well, I mean, I think it's something that comedians have all experienced, you know, at an open mic or something, right? Where you're, something happens and you respond to it organically and it kills and you're like, ah, oh, that felt so good. And you're trying to achieve that over and over again. And then you're writing, that's what a joke is, you know, right? So I think at the beginning of, um, doing standup, I think those jokes are really important and crafting something and trying it in different ways and changing it and continue to tell that over and over again and make people laugh, I think is so important. Um, but definitely for my trip on the road, I was kind of trying to do that at the beginning. I mean, it just, how can you walk 20 miles and then I'm getting on stage and like telling these jokes that I've been telling for a while now, um, which ultimately, you know, some of them are in the film, which I'm so glad that they are. Cause you know, it's jokes that I want in the world, but it was really hard for me at the beginning to like crack out of that, even though you'd think you'd have a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. it's just, you know, jokes don't just come just because you're doing something, interesting um yeah. which i found out in that new mexico <laughs> set yes uh, and so i think it's probably being okay with bombing and like being okay with with the failure of it which i feel like is something i i'm still working out for myself um i'll be excited to get on stage again after we've had so much downtime because I think that that ability to, I don't know, there's something about, yeah, being in the moment, being yourself and just like talking to the audience that I feel I have a definitely a stronger grasp on now than I did when I started the walk. Um, but there's, there's a comfort level there that it's just difficult to break out of. I, and yeah. you think that, you know, it does kind of help to change things up. Like I always know whenever I leave New York and go to set somewhere else, you're changing things up. It's just a little bit different energy. Um, but ultimately if you're just telling the same jokes over and over and not like allowing yourself to break out of that, it's not going to matter where you're doing them or who the jokes are for. So I think it's another one of those things about like, it's not going to be perfect. So just try it sort of thing and be okay with sucking. Right. I think that's the thing. That's a, that's the weirdest thing about stand-up. I think that all, it seems to come out every time we talk about writing, it's like, you have to be okay with being bad and, and, and bombing. And you have to, if you're not, if you're not taking a risk somewhere, then chances are you're not at your best. Like that's, it's, right. it's in that risk that you grow. And if you're not taking risks, then chances are you're telling the same 10 minutes of jokes at every open mic and you're not progressing. Yeah. I, 
I think comics and even audience members uh, appreciate somebody who respect somebody who tries something in bombs, at least, I mean, audience members eventually want to laugh too. So don't get the wrong idea, but they do respect the fact that you tried, you went for it and then you, you did it gracefully and just moved on without being affected by it. And so that's a part of standup, I think, is being able to, to take those risks. Even if they you don't know, it's off. all about the audience trusting you, right? So you, we all feel that when a good comedian is on stage and they, we might know that they're bombing, but we still trust them. You know, Dave Chappelle, like best comedian ever, right? Like even, you know, I forget which one of his last specials, there's like some bits where I'm like, ah, you know, I'm not totally on board with what you're talking about, but I trust him. Like I will trust him. He can do no wrong to me, like in my mind, because I just trust wherever he's going and some, you know, like anything else, some things are going to work, some things aren't, and you just keep it moving. But I think that that's why, like when I was in the Bible Belt and doing these abortion jokes or, you know, shitting on religion or whatever, um, these people definitely did not agree with what I was saying all the time, you know, but, but the vulnerability that you give by still like telling them, even though you know how that people, I don't know, like people open up to that. They respond to that and, and they laugh. And ultimately, I mean, if someone is seeing stand up, you think in theory, they at least have some sort of, you know, open-mindedness somewhere. Like I think any joke can be funny, you know, it's just how, even if, you know, it might be like not your wheelhouse um, and it's all about trusting the comedian, I guess. Mm -hmm. The story, I think one thing about the way that maybe it's the storytelling points that really started to resonate. Maybe it's like, I think the way that you you kind of do the, the joke with the uh, dragons, you know, it's like you're setting it up and there's you're progressing the storyline and then you're you're finding the perfect little moments to put in the little punches, the little jokes. So there's still a setup and punch there but you're just moving it along nicely. So the audience is getting little pops of laughter, but you're doing such a great job of, of it's like a Mike Birbiglia type thing, sort of kind of, you know, like he's, he's telling a story, but there's laughs constantly in there. And I think that's a cool, that's a cool um, strategy and a cool style that people really appreciate. And plus now you have like eight months of crazy stories to tell walking across the <laughs> yeah. world, America. Yeah, it's true. It shows your growth. I mean, in just between those two clips, it, it shows growth to me uh, that, you know, you talked about those jokes that killed at Pitt 10 years ago that you were telling over and over again versus these stories that you plugged in these 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 funny uh, you know moments. Uh, it, it, to me, it's growth. And, uh, and I thought it was great. Uh, I also wanted to hit on because this is, uh, is such an important part of the documentary. And I think a part important part about comics in general. Uh, you talked about your sexual assault on the, with the with the radio interview, and it's and it's a constant yeah. theme throughout the film. And you're it, it's it, to me it, part of what this is about is sort of overcoming that past trauma and and being putting yourself in the situation where you are completely vulnerable, all by yourself, walking across the country, and and just being like, I'm look, I can do like I'm taking control of my own life. And so that's really powerful. And I think that uh, whatever trauma that comics have been through, and it seems like everybody has been through, all, mm -hmm. universally comics have gone through some level of trauma. Uh, this is a good inspiration as well to, in a way to face that and find a way to face that and then do it with, with while telling jokes and while, and while you know, uh, all of us find, I think, uh, you know, sort of therapy in comedy. Uh, and, and 
I appreciate you being very vulnerable in the film. And it, and it really like Drew, it's probably some of the parts that, that pulled the tears out of Drew and, and made it very real. And, uh, and just, uh, one of the things that just kept me on your side and, 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 and really, uh, uh, attached, had an emotional attachment to the film. So uh, I thought that was really well done as well. And congratulations for for being so putting yourself through that and overcoming that. Thank you. Yeah, it wasn't always sure that that was going to be part of the film, which in hindsight is pretty crazy because it's yeah. to me now such a huge part of the film. And you know that radio interview was just always there, where these guys, you know, and they were they're great guys. They're just joking around, but the thing is in their head you know, they thought it's so unlikely that I would be raped when in reality, like that's so many of not just women, but so many people's reality of different types of assaults. Like, you know, that's a fear that people live with all the time. So I think that that's kind of where I was going with, uh, when people would ask me, which I, you know, I think this is in the film too, when people say like, aren't you scared? It's like, yeah, but aren't we all scared? <laughs> like we look at where we're living, like, look at the this world. Like, um, I don't think that I did anything, to, you know, it's kind of like the, what were you wearing thing, you know? I don't know. I just felt like. Yeah. Fucked up shit can happen to you wherever, whether you have a cart or not uh, <laughs> on the side of the road, or if it's just like your weird friend's house or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you feel like that your comedy, and I'm curious, I'm kind of struggling with this. Do you feel like that maybe your experience, I feel like sometimes comedy that has a point or has a, um, I don't know if you're some some comedians have a a thing in the back of their mind and they're like, hey, I want to create, you know, a real connection and a real. I've got a story, I've got a mission, I've got a a thing I want to talk about. And if you're not just focused on getting laughs, sometimes people look down on that. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your philosophy in the back of your mind? Is there part of your comedy that is about helping helping other people? kind of release their tragedies and their and the stuff that they've gone through is that in your mind at all or is it just jokes um no it's just jokes but that is just who i am innately or sure. through happenstance um mm -hmm. that i you know i i see like i want people to see the hypocrisies and I want, and those are just the things that I'm kind of drawn to. And I, after like the trauma that I went through, but who I am now through like therapy and telling your story, which this for me is such a culminative, is that the word um, thing in my life, you know, to be able to put this out in the world, you know, I, I it's good. It's going to be a really like release, um, which I've already released different periods and different things in my life. But I feel like this is going to be a very cool feeling. And I think it's so important for people to tell their story in whatever aspect they want to, even if that's just telling a friend or a therapist, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, <laughs> this route of walking across America, <laughs> making a documentary. Um, but through when I through opening up about my story over the years, I, I was just always surprised by how many people said this same thing happened to me or something similar happened to me. And so I think also I would just hope that other people see it and know that they're not alone because you know, we're not alone and yeah, you can still keep going and like create cool shit. Yeah. Obviously the jokes are there. It is funny. You are a very funny writer and a very funny stand up, but 
I also think that you have a credible opportunity to, to really help people. And I, I have a little sticky note that says humor eases shame. Cause I grew hmm. up as oh, yeah. oh. a Christian boy. Uh, so shame. It's, shame is the worst. I'm it's, like, try so hard to be shameless for sure. Yeah. And I think that your, your comedy is going to be transformational for some people. It's going to open some doors and it's going to make them Thank laugh you. as well. So just, uh, thanks, thanks for so much. Doing. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys, I'm going to move us into our last segment, uh, which is called last laugh. So bear with me here. <laughs> Drew, I've got to change that. All right, so here's how it works. <laughs> it's, it's really creepy. It is. Uh, so the idea is, uh, this is your comedy legacy, okay? So you get to leave behind one joke as to which be remembered by. So here lies Jessica Watkins. What would be a, a joke that's on YouTube still? I forgot. I was supposed to be thinking about this. I mean, I guess I'm just going to have to, the only one that would fit would be the little baby's heartbeat. So I think I'm just wow. going to have to go with that. Circle of blood. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very I, was good. Thinking about, I was thinking about the one where the guy's like, no, I packed the parachutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Depends how you go, I guess. Um, maybe it will yeah. be drunk and high uh, in three clothes. <laughs> uh, let me throw up your website because I think we don't have a release date quite yet, but I imagine they can get it from your website when the film will be released. Yes, so it's going to be coming out in April. I just don't have the exact dates, but. Perfect. That's right around the corner. In April. And it's it is right around the corner. Jessica Watkins comedy.com. Jessica Watkins comedy.com. Yep. Uh, you've been such a, a, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show and, and Thank just, you guys for having me. Uh, I love the doc. It, it, I know I it, honestly, if I, if I didn't like it, I would check out and I, you have me captivated the whole time. So I awesome. uh, can't recommend this, this, this enough to comics and, and, and people alike and uh, best of luck on your next, next. Your Thank you. Yeah, I'll let you guys know. Next. yeah. Please keep in touch. Uh, and this has been Breaking Down Bits. Thank you all for listening. Thanks so much. Yay. Thank you. And we are. Thanks for listening to Breaking Down Bits. You can keep in touch or get more when you follow at Breaking Down Bits on social media. Visit the website BreakingDownBits.com. Or shoot us an email at breakingdownbits at gmail.com.